Do you ever go into a movie thinking it's going to take place in the present day and then surprise Tricky Dick is here? People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry. Um, so first off, I, I know I, I start out my podcast a lot of times apologizing. I'm sorry for not getting an episode out last week. Um, I just had a lot of stuff going on, uh, mostly non-movie fun stuff, as well as some freelance gigs and and just some other general things so it made it a little bit harder to get to the movies last week and i only saw one film and just with the time that i had to try to squeeze in recording a new episode between some work stuff and also all of the wrestling that i was watching last week uh with uh, nxt takeover and wwe SummerSlam, um, it just made it a little too difficult to get something turned around for you all um, so I'm sorry for not having an episode last week, but you know, to be fair, there weren't a whole lot of movies that I was raring to go to see anyway. Uh, my sister keeps trying to get me to go see Dora. Um, probably not going to happen, but we'll see. Um, this week is young and as I figure out what I have going on, who knows, I might need an escape and you know, it's, it's reviews aren't terrible um so we'll see uh but this week what i have for you are three movies um one that i actually would say that i that i kind of thoroughly enjoyed uh one that is good but has some flaws and the other that still has me scratching my head uh not in that order uh, in particular uh but this week i will be talking about scary stories to tell in the dark good boys and blinded by the light so buckle up stay tuned i'll be right back So the first movie that I want to talk about this week is actually a movie that I saw a couple of weeks ago when I didn't record for you all. And that movie is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, basically the premise of this film is that a, a young woman and her friends uh, stumble upon a book of scary stories uh, written by Sarah Bellows um, in an abandoned home where supposedly she was kept locked up and upon discovering this book uh, some of the scary stories in the book start to come to life 
So standard fare, I mean, you expect it to be a kind of horrifying ordeal. The only problem is this movie isn't a horror movie. It's not particularly scary. Uh, the creature effects are good. Um, one of the big issues that I have with this film and actually with another film that I'll be talking about a little bit later is this definitely suffers from the whole we saw it in the trailer um, issue uh, where every one of the big creatures that you're going to see in this film were shown in the trailer. Um, and I know for some people that won't be an issue for other people, it definitely will be. Um, it, it, it was kind of disappointing that in that regard, uh, mostly because, you know, I, I think I've said this before. I, I thought it's been a pretty interesting year for horror movies this summer, or, you know, uh, at least, uh, dark thrillers. Maybe that's what I'll call some of them. Um, but for this film that has, you know, these supernatural elements to uh, kind of be undone by having shown us most of the big shocking moments in the trailer, um, it, it left a little bit to be desired. You know, it, it's weird because this is a PG-13 movie that it, it feels like it's not quite clear who this film is directed at. There are aspects of it that feel very much like a kid's movie. You know, this is... It, it, without being without the horrifying images you know i imagine this would probably have been a pg movie but just because of the way rating systems works i i imagine it probably got bumped up a bit because they were afraid that maybe it would scare kids uh, a little too much um you know I'm, I'm reminded of of something like even though it was animated something like um uh, i believe it was called monster house uh that feels very much like like this film you know that's obviously a bit more comedic um but you know there were aspects of this where you know with a little with an ounce more comedy you know this is definitely a kids movie uh but i guess i mean i guess it was directed at kids who grew up reading these stories but seeing as how most of those kids you know who either read these or had them read to them are adults now um, it felt a little weird to not go a little bit more into true horror territory. Um, you know, not to say that these need to be gory, but to actually make them scary and frightening. You know, they do the jump scare thing a lot, but there's nothing, you know, there's no existential horror in this. There's nothing that really, you know, kind of gets you, gets you scared or, or when you leave, you, you really think about it. And, and I mean, to be fair, that might be different for other folks who aren't really into, you know, horror films, maybe they saw the jangly man in this and got like really freaked out and, and that's fine. But I, I don't think there was anything in this movie that, that kind of lived up to the scary stories name. The other weird, weird, weird thing about this film, um, in the cold open, I kind of made a joke about, um, you know, tricky Dick showing up, uh, Richard Nixon. Um, and that was one of the weird things about this movie, at least in my personal opinion. Um, going into it, I had no idea that this was a period piece set in 1968. Uh, so you have the backdrop of Richard Nixon running for president. You have the Vietnam War, um, which is, you know, one of the 
it, it's weird to call it a plot point, but it, it's it's one of the plot points for a specific character in this film. And and this is where like I kind of want to get into some of the, like one of the major shortcomings of this film. So there are a couple of ideas that it throws out there. One, you know, Richard Nixon, that's a whole thing on its own. You you start to wonder about the con the contextual reasoning for it to be set in the 1960 late 1960s so there's that then you're in the vietnam war thing and and this is going to be a a light spoiler for a character in the film um if you really care you know you might want to skip a couple of minutes but basically one of the characters is a draft dodger uh, who also happens to be uh, Latinx. Uh, and so it's this weird kind of, all right, we want to talk about racism and this guy is experiencing, you know, racial profiling. He's experiencing, um, you know, essentially a, a, you know, his car is vandalized at one point uh, with, with a racial slur. And so it's like, there's, there's that stuff in there um but there's also this horror and how do these things you know coalesce and how does his story end when you see the film it kind of leaves you scratching your head like why is that the decision that he made um you know again i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna full on spoil it i just want to kind of wanted to tee that up because you know that's something that i think people should be thinking about when they're when they're going into a film it's not just you know all right do i enjoy the story at a base level but do these character journeys make sense um does his decision to you know do this or do that make sense based on what the character has experienced before and based on what the world has shown us um there's something very specific that he says that leads me to believe oh well you know he's seen this thing you know why would he do what he's ultimately going to do in the end um and yeah i, I was just gonna leave it at that there is there's there's going to be some I you know what's weird is I don't think there's going to be much debate about this film I don't think many people care about it or are going to see it um, I imagine it's going to do all right on home release uh, mostly just people wondering about like hey I, I forgot that that movie came out in theaters why don't we just check it out and see what it's about um, definitely not my my favorite movie definitely not my favorite adaptation of something from when I was a kid, um, you know, I think some of the creature effects were good. Um, the performances were fine. Like there's no real standouts uh, besides the tragic wasting of Dean Norris. Like he is in this film for absolutely nothing. Uh, it, it's weird when you get Uncle Hank from Breaking Bad and you literally have him sit in a chair for most of the movie. Um, you know, it just, it's a weird casting choice. You could have gotten anybody at that point. Why get someone who's actually like a, a good actor to do nothing? I, 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 that constantly bothers me in these types of films. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that scary stories to tell in the dark is pretty passable. 
Um, you know, there are things that I want to talk about with it, but I mean, quite frankly, no one's seen it, so I don't know if it really matters. And maybe I'll, I'll save them for a, you know, a rant episode in the future where I talk about, you know, some of the problems with, you know, making something a period piece that doesn't need to be a period piece and, and really strange character motivations. Um, but the next movie that I want to talk about, I did like uh, much more, and that is uh, Good Boys. So Good Boys is a new comedy film, a raunchy, um, I'm going to call it a coming of age uh, film. Uh, basically, it's about these three boys who have been friends pretty much all of their lives. Um, and they are, you know, in the process of going into middle school, becoming teens and what does that mean for their friendship? Uh, and so one of the friends who is becoming popular gets invited to a, uh, what the kids call a kissing party, um, and wants to bring his friends along. Uh, so the process of getting there, uh, the boys need to learn how to kiss. And so hilarity ensues. And I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, you know, when I, when I first got out of it, like I didn't want to say too much. I didn't want to kind of, um, you know, pass judgment right away. But as I've kind of sat with it and thought about it quite a bit, like there's a lot that I really like about what this film had to say, uh, both about young men, um, but also about the way that we can look at friendships and growing up and things like that. Um, but uh, first, like, let me get one of my nitpicks out of the way. So like I said, like one of the problems that a lot of movies have been facing lately is just like showing the best stuff in trailers. And I'm not going to say that the absolute best stuff was shown in the trailer for this film, because there are still a lot of really great jokes that I think land really well. And I don't want to ruin any of them for you or give you a hint at to, as to what they are. Um, but I feel like there were a lot of big moments, a lot of big kind of setup jokes in this film that were kind of undone uh, by the trailer. Um, you know, this is a film that had uh, a, a pretty, you know, a, a red band trailer that showed a lot of the raunchier jokes. There were some regular trailers that that kind of gave you an insight into some of what was going to be happening in this movie. And so there's there were some challenges there where it's like, all right, there you're competing with oh, like, I wonder where this joke shows up in the movie and uh, just kind of looking for things, waiting for things that you had seen before. You know, and again, like I watch a lot of movies, so I see a lot of trailers. I, I go searching for trailers sometimes, um, unless it's something that I really want to know nothing about at all. Um, so, you know, I know this isn't going to be an issue for everybody, but if you have seen the trailer, just kind of be forewarned, like there are going to be other funny things and try to forget the trailer as much as possible. If you can that out of the way, uh, one of the major things that I really enjoy about this film is, you know, so I, I've talked a lot on, uh, the old version of the podcast and kind of the current version of the podcast about, uh, toxic masculinity. And, you know, obviously like, I, I think a lot of you are probably like tired of me bringing this topic up and talking about it. Um, but I thought that one of the things that was really interesting about this film 
was its approach to uh, talking about masculinity uh, and and kind of establishing a, a better direction for our young men. Um, so what it looks at, like, you know, at, at a very big baseline, this film is kind of an examination of some of the toxic behaviors that we teach young men early. Uh, and it looks at them and kind of questions them and and why do we steer, you know, just for example, like why do we steer um, boys away from being kind to other people? Why do we steer boys away from asking for, you know, uh, confirming consent? You know, why do we steer boys away from passions in the arts or music or singing? And, and so that's one of those things that is inherent in this film and watching it and thinking about it. Like, you know, I was I was laying in bed this morning right before a workout and just thinking about like, I really like that about this film, you know, this this way of, of looking at boyhood into manhood and, you know, understanding that that path is going to be different for different folks, but, you know, not demonizing and not, you know, chastising boys for uh, living their lives a little bit differently from what is you know, in most cases prescribed to them by our society. And so I thought that that was a very interesting kind of aspect to this film. Um, the other thing that I really liked is like, I just think that these kids had really good chemistry together. I thought that they they were a lot of fun. Um, it, it felt like they were real friends. And I think that's something that's, you know, really hard to accomplish in a lot of films these days, because all too often, you know, it, it's just like you have a bunch of characters that are put together. Uh, these kids, you know, even though some of the line delivery might have fallen a little bit flat, like it seemed like they were having a lot of fun with one another. Uh, and, I, and I hope that they did. Uh, but, you know, the other thing that I wanted to talk about with this film, you know, obviously I, I, I refer to it as kind of like a coming of age film. But, you know, the, the idea that that I think um, is, is another thing, you know, not as much as the, the masculinity piece of it that it talks about is just kind of the nature of friendship and, you know, uh, and growing apart, you know, really. And I, and I think that is a really, this film does a really good job of kind of tackling that scenario and knowing that this movie is kind of more of a hard R, raunchy comedy, but, you know, it, it, it makes it a little bit easier to see who they are trying to target with that type of story. Because I mean, like, frankly, you know, they're really talking to, you know, your post-college, you know, young adults who are, are struggling to kind of move on with their lives and maybe escape some of the friendships that they had built in college, or, or not even escape, but to, you know, grow past that dependency that they may have had. And, you know, it might also be something that is targeted towards parents for having, you know, that conversation about, you know, when friendships end and when people grow apart. So I just thought that that the, the friendship angle and the masculinity angle, I think made it a, a very, you know, for a movie that makes jokes about anal beads and sex dolls, it made it a very 
touching, you know, you know, I, I dare say poignant film, um, you know, and an experience that I honestly wasn't expecting to have with this film. I, for real, I just thought we were going to get a, a, a raunchy comedy with the kids using bad language. Like, I thought that was all we were going to be getting. Um, but to watch a film that actually had like a pretty a pretty positive and a pretty good message, at least a message that I can kind of get behind. Like I was really surprised and, you know, I, I, I applaud the film for that. You know, obviously there's, there's always shortcomings, you know, uh, some of the, um, tween counterpart uh young women you wanted them to have a little bit more agency but one of the visual jokes that they do later in the film is kind of perfect for that i'm again not going to give that away but uh there was something that i saw that made me laugh out loud uh after having kind of had that initial thought so um i think there's i think there's definitely going to be some enjoyment of this film for people and if i remember correctly i think it was the number one film this weekend so um um, hopefully that means people are going to see it uh, if you haven't yet and you like comedy, you know, because I mean, that's the other thing that I should say. I'm not the biggest comedy person. I think I've talked about it before. Like I enjoy comedies, but most of them fall pretty flat for me. Um, this one I pretty thoroughly enjoyed. I laughed a lot. I had a really good time with it. So the last film that I'm going to talk about today is Blinded by the Light, a new film from the director of uh, such classics as a Bend It Like Beckham. Um, basically, this film follows uh, the story of a Pakistani kid living in England who uh, is kind of searching for his place in the world when a sick friend uh, provides him with two Bruce Springsteen cassettes and changes this young man's life forever. Um, so uh, this one's a little bit tougher for me to talk about. Like what I want to say is baseline is it's good. If you like Bruce Springsteen's music, if you like sweet, positive stories about, you know, overcoming uh, some adversities and finding your place and believing in yourself and blah, 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 not turning your back on your family. This film has all of that. It's going to tick all of those boxes for you. It's, it's sweet. Um, you know, I was having this conversation with someone the other day. It's a sweet film. Um, that's not that challenging. Um, you know, I, I, and I, and I don't say that to be dismissive. I just don't think it makes the audience do that much work, despite being set in, you know, 1980s England, when you have, you know, the rising neo-fascist movement, you have the, you know, economic downturn that uh, England or Great Britain, I'm really bad with that kind of stuff. So feel free to uh, correct me in comments or whatnot. Um, you know, that, that people are experiencing. So you have uh, job loss, you have uh, racism, you have anti-immigrant sentiment. Why does this all sound familiar? Why does this all sound like the cyclical process that we are continually going through? Um, so on, on some of those aspects, I think the film 
does an all right job. So like, unlike something like Scary Stories, where it's like, this is the setting and, you know, we're going to pretend like it matters and it doesn't, this film, the setting, the context matters. I mean, it, yes, it's based on a true story. It's based on, you know, this this guy's like actual lived experience uh, in a sense, you know, obviously it's fictionalized, it's all fictionalized. But I mean, to be real, like the the rising neo-fascist movement in the 1980s was a big deal. Uh, and the the immigrants who had to kind of face this, you know, they they had some some pretty strong, terrifying opposition. Uh, and so I, I felt like this film did a good job of establishing what the world was like at that time and what this young man's experience was. I think it also did a good job of kind of establishing his family and, you know, where they were coming from, not just in terms of they were from Pakistan, uh, but like, you know, what was what was his father's, you know, kind of vision for his family um, in a sense, uh, you know, and how his father kind of, you know, shaped a lot of the decisions that everybody, you know, were making every, every person in their family was making. So I, I thought that that was, I think that the family aspects, the world pieces were, were really well done. Um, his relationships with other people were, were fairly well done. Uh, I would have liked a little bit more uh, from uh, a little bit more of an exploration of his relationship with his sick friend, um, because like I, I feel like they didn't quite, you know, they, they didn't quite establish enough of his character for me other than he is the character that introduced him to Bruce and that's it. They love Bruce together, but, you know, we don't really get anything else from their connections to one another they do a little bit better job of kind of establishing his his connection with uh one of the female characters in the film um uh, though there were some aspects of that storyline that i felt like could have been handled a little bit better they felt a little weird and a little forced um and i don't know it just felt like there was some weird dramatization there that I wonder if really happened or was just kind of put in there for comedic effect. I don't think it was quite funny. I don't think the audience that I saw it with really reacted to that. So um, overall, I thought most of the performances were were good. I thought there was a lot of heart in this film. Um, the areas where it fell apart for me a little bit were in the kind of structure and styling of this film. So um, what I would really say about Blinded by the Light is that it's a film that feels confused about what it is and what it's trying to say, uh, or not, not quite what it's trying to say. I think what it's trying to say is clear, you know, no matter what your culture is, you can find things from other places that speak to you, but don't don't forget where you came from. Uh, I think that's like a pretty clear message um, throughout this film. So I think I think that is that is well done. The real problem is, you know, how do you want to tell that story? I think that's what I wanted to say. How do you want to tell that story? And so there's the route of, hey, this is a typical drama. 
you know, we're just going to tell the story as is. Um, maybe we'll mix in some surreal kind of dream sequence moments. That's fine. Um, that makes sense. That works. But in this, they decide at some point, well, let's try to make it a little bit of a jukebox musical for a little bit. And so there are a couple of extended song sequences that I don't know if they quite work because they feel incompatible with the way some of the other information in the film is presented. Um, and that's just something that it, it was really jarring for me, you know, cause I'm watching it. And at one moment, you know, we're, we're kind of in this like really, um, what I would say feels like a really serious drama. And then all of a sudden we're in a musical number. And, you know, obviously it's not like super exaggerated with the colors beyond it being the eighties. Uh, but like some of it just felt so weird. And, uh, some of the, some of the costume choices and makeup and hairstyles, like, again, I know it's the eighties, but some of it just felt like a little too exaggerated. Um, you know, and, and so it was like, there was this weird stylistic thing that was happening where I'm just like, certain aspects were just taking me out of the film when I was just trying to enjoy this story and, and understand this person's life. But, you know, again, it's like, oh, we're, we're going to run all around town to this song or, you know, we're going to have a dance number in the market where I'm going to lip sync this song, um, you know, and, and it's challenging because I think some of the strongest moments are when he is listening to Bruce Springsteen's music and the words, you know, are on screen or are stylized, animated in a way where they they come into the sequence. There's some great uh, sequences that use uh, projector work. And, you know, that stuff works for me. And I, and I think it, it fits more stylistically with where the film starts, whereas some of the musical number stuff, uh, it loses you a bit and it, it, it feels out of place and it feels like it takes too much time out of the film. Um, because, you know, ultimately that's like one of my biggest problems with the film is just like, you know, it's pacing, it's structure and pacing. There were points where it was just like, why is it dragging? It doesn't need to drag. Just get to, you know, just get to this next section. You know, we, I think the challenge is, you know, you, I don't know if this film had quite as much to say as it thought it did. And so it felt a need to pad out certain things that didn't necessarily need padding out. Um, I, and, and frankly, like, I think even though I thought they did a good job establishing his relationship with his family, there were aspects where I felt like you know, more to speak to his own uh, Pakistani heritage could have been done, like outside of kind of the family aspects of it. Uh, because, you know, in a, in a sense, that's the, the challenge with some of these these types of stories is, um, and, and this is not me faulting Bruce Springsteen, but this is more something that I, I kind of think about a lot within the context of media is, you know, yes, we let's celebrate the creative production of this, this white man who worked with a, a whole lot of people um, and spend more time with that than with this man's 
with than, than with our character's own kind of heritage and and religion and cultural upbringing so it's like he's muslim but we don't know how he practices or we're supposed to assume that he doesn't practice that much um but we don't really get a lot of that you know we don't understand you know what his kind of home cultural practice is like and how that is at odds with, um, you know, kind of liking this music, you know, liking Bruce Springsteen's music. It, it, and that's that's like one of those challenges where it's like, for me, it's like that juxtaposition needs to be a little bit, it needs to be a little bit more uh, apparent. You know, it's not enough for me. It's like, oh, he's, he's brown and, and Pakistani. Like that's, that's it you know so that's going to be our basis for why it's weird that he likes bruce springsteen but it's like show us the juxtaposition and you can do that you you took enough time in this film to do a lot of other weird things um you could have done a little bit more of that and i some people who saw the film would probably argue well there is a scene where you know he he is uh, around other people who are in this scenario that is, you know, very much, um, you know, culturally related. But for me, it's like, I don't think that's quite enough. You know, what is, you know, again, like what is the music that he would have had growing up? What is the music that his parents listened to? Um, show me that in juxtaposition to Bruce Springsteen um, and potentially show me, you know, where the similarities, where the differences and, and have that interrogation of it. You know, otherwise, you know, you're just making a, a sweet kind of feel good movie. And, you know, not not saying that this, you know, this is what we're, you know, what we're what we have to do to, to make something compelling. But, you know, I, I, I wonder if that might would have made it more interesting and would have increased kind of word of mouth about this film. You know, one of the things that I talked about a couple of weeks ago with The Farewell was just the fact that like it was cultural insight. Like I learned something new about um, a specific way of life or culture or people that I did not know. And I don't think I quite got that here. You know, I, I think, you know, I've heard enough stories about immigrants struggling to fit in. It, it, this, this is gonna, this, I don't mean for this to sound dismissive, but you know, I've heard enough of these stories that don't just tell me about the kind of assimilation you know, tell me about the integration of these cultural practices. Tell me like something about how, you know, how his his heritage influenced the way that uh, he talks about these things a little bit more. And again, like you get hints at that, uh, but you never quite get it. And and I think that's one of the major shortcomings for me with this film. Um, I just I just wanted more from it. Um, and, and one last thing that I'll say, like, despite some of the really good text work uh, in later parts of the film, the actual title design for this film is terrible. Uh, any of my design friends who watch films, uh, if you see that opening, you know, piece of text, uh, the title blinded by the light, let me know what you think. I thought it was terrible. Um, 
But yeah, that rounds up these movies. I'll be right back. So thanks for listening to another episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. I hope you uh, took something away from that. Um, If you saw any of those movies, if you agree, if you disagree, definitely let me know. Um, Shoot me an email, Larry at LM2Photo.com or hit me up on social media at LarryTron pretty much everywhere on social media. I really want to hear what people think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Were there things that you liked about some of these films that I didn't like? Am I, do you think I'm wrong about something? Um, I really love to have conversations about film. So um, definitely drop me a line uh, so we can talk about that. Um, So just a a few scheduling updates. So summer is fast closing, um, which is really weird to say. Um, But one of the things that uh, is going to be, uh, that one of the things that I need to say is that um, next week's episode of Mondays at the Movies will probably be the last uh, Mondays at the Movies for the summer, uh, mostly because the next weekend is Labor Day weekend and I'm going to be home with family. Um, it's also the start of the school year and I work in higher education for those of you who didn't know. Um, so with move in and the first football game and all sorts of stuff, I don't know how many films I'm actually going to have the chance to get out and see. Um, I also don't quite know how much is being released that week. So, um, but next week's episode will probably be the last uh for at least a little while um after that i think one of the things that i'm going to do is sporadically as films come out that i really want to talk about i might do some special like you know in-depth um or even just shorty kind of mondays at the movies episodes um talking about things like it chapter two and you know some other films that are coming out in the fall and winter um I'm also going to be getting back to doing some solo episodes, uh, some of the LM2 talk style episodes where I talk about some different subjects that are really kind of weighing on me right now or things that I want to talk about. I have a couple in the bank um, that I'm probably going to be recording this week. So you should start to see those pop up in your feed soon. Um, I'm also working on my schedule for uh, talking with some guests uh, for some other episodes of the podcast. So I am working on that. I'm hoping to have some new stuff to share with you, uh, hopefully in uh, probably mid-September, honestly. Uh, Again, just because of work schedule, because of some freelance gigs that I have coming up, because of football season starting up, um, it's there's a lot more that I need to work around uh, in the fall, especially towards the beginning. So um, 
you know, not to say that you'll be waiting long because I'm going to try to have a bunch of different pieces that I can kind of get out to you uh, in a more timely basis. But I just want you to know, just in case, you know, every now and then there's a little lapse in episodes and you're wondering what's going on. But again, I'm going to try to have some stuff for you pretty regularly. So it will hopefully feel like I'm not gone, even if you're not getting the most up to date version of me. Um, and so uh, as I'm closing out, just, you know, a reminder again, I am a part of the Nerds of Color uh, Media Collective, um, uh, Hard Knock Media. Uh, basically, it's your source for all things nerdy from people of color. Um, and we have a lot of great shows like uh, Hard Knock Life, which is the flagship podcast for uh, Nerds of Color, DC TV Classics that looks into the history of DC comics on TV and in the movies, uh, as well as Southern Fried Asians, which looks at the experience of Asian Americans in the US South. So lots of great shows to check out there. Um, in the future, I'll be kind of giving you a little bit more of an in-depth uh, look at some of the shows. So uh, definitely uh, stay tuned for more about that. So as always, it's been great talking with you all. Um, I hope you all have actually been getting to the movies. It, you know, based on box office numbers, I think you haven't, but you know, it'd be great if you could go and we could talk about some movies. I don't know. I would really like it. Anyway, stay watching fam. Peace.